0: Part two, Chapters eight and nine of Bonaventure, a prose pastoral of Acadian Louisiana. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Bonaventure, a prose pastoral of Acadian Louisiana by George w Cable. Part two, Chapter seven, At Claude's Mercy. Time flagged not. The school shone on, within its walls making glad the teacher and the pupils with ever new achievements in knowledge and excellence, some of the vanguard, Claude, Sidney, Etienne, Madeleine, Henri, Marceline, actually going into the third reader. Such perfection in lessons as they told about at home, such mastery of English, such satisfactory results in pronunciation and emphasis reading just as they talked oh no a thousand times no the school's remoter light its secondary influences slowly spreading but so slowly that only the eyes of enmity could see its increase there were murmurs and head-shakings but the thirteenth sunday of the year's first quarter came and the sermon whose withholding had been threatened was preached and on the thirteenth monday there was bonaventure still moving quietly across the green toward the schoolhouse with the children all about him but a few days later the unexpected happened by this time claude's father whose teacher you remember was claude had learned to read one day a surveyor who had employed him as a guide seeing the acadian labouring over a fragment of rural newspaper fell into conversation with him as they sat smoking by their campfire, and presently caught some hint of St. Pierre's aspirations for himself and his son. So there's a public school at Grand Point, is there? Oh, yes, fine school, hundred feet long, and fine teacher, splendid teacher, teach English. Well, well, laughed the surveyor, well, the next thing will be a railroad. St. Pierre's eyes lighted up. You tink? Why, yes, you can't keep railroads away from a place long once you let in the public school and teach English. You tink das good? What a railroad! Most certainly it brings immigration. Was dat, migration? The surveyor explained. The next time St. Pierre came to Grand Point to sell some fish, he came armed with two great words for the final overthrow of all opponents of Enlightenment. Railroad. Migration. They had a profound and immediate effect, exactly the opposite of what he had expected. The school had just been dismissed. The children were still in sight, dispersing this way and that. Sidonie lingered a moment at her desk, putting it in order. Claude, taking all the time he could, was getting his canoe paddle from a corner Crebiche was waiting, by the master's command, to repair some default of the day, and Tutu, outside on his knees in the grass catching grasshoppers, was tarrying for his sister, when four or five of the village's best men came slowly and hesitatingly in. It required no power of divination for even the preoccupied schoolmaster to guess the nature of their errand. Mian was not among them. Katoo was at their head. They silently bowed. The schoolmaster as silently responded. The visitors huddled together. They came a step nearer. "'Well,' said Cattu, "'we come to see you.' "'Sirs, welcome to Grand Point School. Sidney, Cribiche, Claude, rest in your seats.' Mo better you turn em loose, I tink,' said Cattu amiably. "'Ain't it?' "'I rather they stay,' replied Bonaventure. All sat down. There was a sustained silence, and then Catu said with quiet abruptness, "'We don't want no mo' school.' "'From what cause?' "'Tain't no use.' "'Sir's, sir's no use. "'Tis every use. "'The schoolhouse tis more worth than the gold mine "'Ah, sir's, tell me, what is gold without education?' They confronted the riddle for a moment. Education want to change everything. Railroad migration, change everything. Yes, make everything better, sirs. Where is that country that the people are sorry that the railroad and the schoolhouse have come? Again, the riddle went unanswered. But Katu sat as if in meditation, looking to one side, and presently said, "I tink das all humbugged at Titchin English." What want titch English for, sir? cried Bonaventure. In America, you must be American. Three Acadians have been governor of Louisiana. What made them thus to become? He leaned forward and smote his hands together. What was it? Twas English education. The men were silent again. Catou pushed his feet out and looked at his shoes, put on for the occasion. Presently. Yes, he said in an unconvinced tone. Yes, dass all right, but how we know you titch English? Nobody can't tell you titchin him right or no. And yet I do. And the time approach when you shall know, sirs. I make to you a proposition. Time is passing. It must be soon. The state superintendent public education visit this school. The school is any time ready since long time we are waiting he shall come he shall examine the children shall be ignorant this arrangement only these shall know claude sidonie crebiche they will not disclose and the total children shall exhibit all their previous learning AND WELCOME THE DAY WHEN THE ADVERSARIES OF EDUCATION SHALL SEE THOSE DEAR CHILDREN stand UP BEFORE THE assembled GRAND POINT, SPELLING CORRECTLY WORDS OF ONE TO EIGHT SYLLABLE, AND READING FROM THEIR READERS. AND IF ONE MISS, IF ONE, ONE MISS, THEN LET THE SCHOOL BE SHUT AND THE SCHOOLMASTER BANISHED. IT WAS SO AGREED. THE DEBATE DID NOT CEASE AT ONCE, BUT IT LANGUISHED. Catou thought he had made one strong point when he objected to education as conducive to idle habits, but when the schoolmaster hurled back the fact that communities the world over are industrious just in proportion as they are educated, he was done. He did not know, but when he confronted the assertion it looked so true that he could not doubt it. He only said, "'Well, anyhow, I tink tain't no use Krebish go school no more." but when Bonaventure pleaded for the lad's continuance, that too was agreed upon. The men departed. "'Crabiche,' said the master, holding the boy's hand at parting, "'Ah, Crabiche, if thou become not a good scholar!' and read a promise in the boy's swimming eyes. "'Claude, Claude, I am at your mercy now!' But the honest gaze of Claude and the pressure of his small, strong hand were a pledge, the grateful master turned to sidney and again as of old no sidney was there end of part 2 chapter 8 part 2 chapter 9 ready summer came the songbirds were all back again waking at dawn and making the hoary cypress wood merry with their carolings to the wives and younglings in the nests busy times FORAGING ON THE HELPLESS ENEMY, EARTHWORM, gnat, GRUB, GRASSHOPPER, weevil, SAWYER, DRAGONFLY, FROM MORNING TILL NIGHT, WATCHING FOR HIM, SCRATCHING FOR HIM, PICKING, PECKING, BORING FOR HIM, POISING, SWOOPING, DARTING FOR HIM, STANDING UPSIDE DOWN AND PEERING INTO CHINKS FOR HIM, AND ALL FOR THE LUXURY, NOT OF KNOWLEDGE, BUT OF LOVE AND MARRIAGE the mocking-bird had no rest whatever back and forth from dawn to dark back and forth across and across grand point clearing always one way empty and the other way with his beak full of marketing and then sitting up on an average half the night sometimes the whole of it at his own concert and with military duties too patrolling the earth below a large part of it and all the upper air Driving off the weasel, the black snake, the hawk, the jay, the buzzard, the crow, and all that brigand crew, busy times, all nature in glad gay earnest, corn in blossom and rustling in the warm breeze, blackberries ripe, morning glories underfoot, the trumpet flower flaring from its dense green vine high above on the naked girdled tree the cotton-plant blooming white yellow and red in the field beneath honey a-making in the hives and hollow trees butterflies and bees lingering in the fields at sunset the moth venturing forth at the first sign of dew and sydney a wild rose-tree mark you this was in grand point i have seen the wild-flower taken from its cool haunt in the forest and planted in the glare of a city-garden "'Alas, the plight of it, poor outshone, wilting, odourless thing! "'And then I have seen it again in the forest, "'and pleasanter than to fill the lap with roses and tulips "'of the conservatory's blood-royal it was to find it there, "'once more the simple queen of that green solitude. "'So, Sidonie, Acadian maidens are shy as herons, "'they always see you first. They see you first, silently rise, and are gone from the gallery. They are more shy than violets. You would think they lived whole days with those dark, black-fringed eyes cast down. But they see you first. The work about the house is well done where they are. There are apt to be flowers outside round about, while they themselves are as Paul desired to see the women in Bishop Timothy's church "'adorned in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety. "'Flowers sprang plentifully where Sidonie dwelt. "'Her best homespun gown was her own weaving. "'The old dog lying on the gallery "'always thumped the floor with his tail "'and sank his obsequious head as that robe passed. "'The fawn that Claude had brought "'would come trotting and press its head against it all the small living things of the dooryard would follow it about and if she stood by the calf-pen the calves would push each other for the nearest place lay their cheeks upon the fence's top and roll their eyes as many a youth of grand point would have done if he might chatouet i fear i have omitted to mention that the father of crebiche like the father of claude had lost his wife before he was of age chatouet looked often over that fence when matters take that shape, a girl must quit school. And yet Sidney, when after a short vacation the school resumed its sessions, resumed with it. Tutu, who had to admit now that his sister was even more grand for her age than he, was always available for protection. There was no wonder that Sidney wished to continue. Bonaventure explained why. So interesting is that McGuffey's third reader— those at home hesitated and presently it was the first of october now it was too late to withdraw the examination was to take place the school's opponents had expressed little impatience at the state superintendent's weary delay but at length catu asked why dat man don't never come the wherefore of his non-coming i ignore said bonaventure with a look of old pain in his young face but I am ready. Let him come, or let him come not. "'Tain't no use wait no longer,' said Catu. "'Just we'll have your little show without him. "'Sir, it shall be had. Revolution never go backward.' Much was the toil, many the anxieties of the preparation, for Bonaventure at once determined to make the affair more than an examination. He set its date on the anniversary of the day when he had come to Grand Point. From such a day Sidney could not be spared. She was to say a piece, a poem, an apostrophe to a star. A child, beholding the little star in the heavens and wondering what it can be, sparkling diamond-like so high up above the world, exhorts it not to stop twinkling on his account. But to its tender regret the school knew that no more thereafter was Sidney to twinkle in its firmament learn your lessons hard children if the state superintendent even at the last you know bonaventure could not believe that this important outpost had been forgotten chapter nine